Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Hey guys, happy Wonderland Wednesday. You're tuned into Allison's Wonderland and I am your host, your fearless host. Allison, um, I'm really excited about the show tonight. Thank you guys to everybody that's tuning in live. Kaylee! Hey guys, hey Chris, it's good to see you. Thanks for tuning in live, you guys. It really just makes the show so much more fun when you can be here live. Yes! Ryan is here, you guys. Ryan Crico is our guest today, and it's very exciting. I have been looking forward to this for so long. Ryan Crico is the creator of Arlo the Alligator Boy, a fairly new animated musical on Netflix. And man, this show is so magic. It's If you haven't seen it yet, I definitely, definitely recommend it. It's, well, without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce Ryan and we can talk about it with him. So hi guys, thanks for everybody who's tuning in live, yay. Yay. Let's invite Ryan, okay? Okay. Welcome to Allison's Wonderland, Ryan. How are you today? Hi. Hello. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. How's it going with you? It's going, going, it's going. <laughs> it's going well. Your it's hair's getting well. long. It looks nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the movie's out and now just uh, everything kind of slows down. So the last couple of weeks has been, it's been cool. It's been, you know, strange. And now, you know, you anticipate something happening, coming out. And then all of a sudden it's, it's now it's here. And now I'm like, okay, now what do like, I do? <laughs> slightly, slightly chill or? Yeah, 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 it's good. It's good. It's hard. I I don't relax easily. So you know, I always want to be like working and doing, I'm just that kind of person. So, so I go up and down. I'm like, you know, some days I'm like, I need to be like cranking. And then some days I'm like, this is really nice. I've got nothing to do. So in a little bit of mix of, of both, but yeah, all good. All good. Well, because so Arla the Alligator Boy, which is the animated musical on Netflix, but you also have a series coming out as well. I yeah. Heart Arlo. So where are you at in production with that? We, I, I, I let the cat out of the bag yesterday <laughs> that we, we did our final mix uh, yesterday. So that's basically done. I mean, we're, we don't have, I'll say we don't have a release date yet. So I can't say when that's, when that is not only because I don't know. I mean, I like have an idea, but like, I don't actually know. Already it's been two minutes and I'm already not, not <laughs> telling the truth. No, but for reals, I, I, I have, we, I think we have a, like a target area, but like I, but so, but, but just for, you know, it gets dubbed in 36 languages. So, you know, we're, wow. we're like, we did our mix on the final mix and then it's going to be a while. So, but yeah, we're, we're like in the can on that thing. So yeah. That's yeah, so exciting. Cool. How many episodes is the first season? It's it's always complicated when I say this, but it's it's eighteen elevens and a twenty two minute finale. So it's basically like a twenty twenty episode order of eleven minutes, and then we we kind of we didn't just smash the last two together. I've done a lot of board driven. It's board driven, which mm -hmm. for a lot of people who are watching, if you don't know, it's we we allow our board artists to write and to come up with gags, and we give them outlines instead of scripts. So they're a driving 
the stories on each episode. And it's not unlike, you know, SpongeBob or Adventure Time or a lot of the great, really fun, quirky, funny shows. So, so it's board driven. So, but for the last one we scripted because we thought like, I've done it a few times where we've tried to like cram board driven into a longer format. And then I was like, this time we're going to script it. <laughs> Just make it, we'll script it and then we'll get crazy with it after. So yeah, so it's, it's got a 22 minute finale. The finale is a musical. It's got four songs, four full songs in it. And it's really cool. That is, so is the whole series musical? Are there songs in each episode? Yeah, throughout. And not every single episode. I think I would say we wrote probably 16-ish songs for like whatever the 20 episodes or 19 episodes. So like close. It's close. There's a couple that don't have songs. Yeah. That's so exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's start. I, I'm curious because I want to start at the very beginning. Just how you, I mean, you've worked as a storyboard artist, writer, mm -hmm. director, songwriter, mm -hmm. uh, mu musician. You've worked in so many, you've had your hands in pretty much every pot of the animation world. And I'm just wondering, how did you get your start? Are you from Northern California? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm from the Bay Area and I grew up in Silicon Valley. So very tech industry area, but not like when I was a kid, it was very, it was like the, the beginning of tech. You know what I mean? It was a strange, cool. I didn't realize at the time, like what it, what a weird place it would be to grow up because you're just like, you know, anytime you're a kid, you don't have, you don't have any reference point of reference for your life yeah. so you're like yeah it's totally normal like everyone's parents work at computer companies and like yeah apple computers is a thing and like but like then going back in history it's like no apple computers like started in a garage a couple blocks from my house and like it's just uh, the whole thing like then you go like that changed the world in so many ways and all that was happening out of this place where i like at the time that i was born yeah very like orchards were getting taken down and and tech companies were being built up and so it felt normal at the time now in retrospect i'm like what a trip <laughs> but it yeah. was really boring. It, I thought it was really boring. I was always doing art. I was always playing music. I was playing in bands. I was like, we, uh -huh. we just felt like very, it's very suburban and there was nothing to do and no culture. It felt like at the time, like San Francisco was, you know, maybe 40 minutes away, but when you're young, you don't really have access to the city that way. So I always felt like it was a really, like a real dead zone for art and culture. And, and San Jose was like, I always picture San Jose because it was like the closest big hub of the city, but it was always to me like Kenny G, you know, <laughs> it was just like, so, yeah. Yeah. it's soft jazz all day. So you just like, that was where I felt like I grew up. So I was always like trying to get out like in my own mind and try to push out into like weird places with friends. I grew up with a lot of artists. We're what always pushing each other. The first band I was in was called Pedestrians of Death and Destruction. <laughs> so, so jazz yeah yeah they were cool the good guys harder harder sounding than they were like we were all really nice uh kids but yeah and then i i played with <laughs> bands that were like i got into like ska and like funk and all kinds of stuff i you know, as i got older more stuff that was like like this the bands that got more serious as i was getting out of college and stuff were more on, along the lines of like wilco-ish you know like alt alt country and and folk and stuff so i've been all over the gamut with with music and i had kind of put it down like i just over the last 10 years hadn't really played a lot of music i haven't been playing in bands and stuff I'm really focused on my animation career yeah and Alex Garingas, who I saw on this on this thing. Hey, Alex, if you're still there, really, like, as we, we started working on Arlo, he was a big inspiration for me and, like, getting me kind of back in the saddle, getting me back into writing music. I didn't plan on writing the music for this. I planned on sort of, I felt like I had so many hats to wear already because it was, yeah. we were a small production, a kind of, you know, little engine that could kind of production. So I felt like already I was in, in the process of writing it and, and directing it. 
and producing it. And then Alex was like, you have to write the songs too. And it was like, <laughs> okay. So we did, it worked. I mean, I was very happy. I'm, I, it really ignited something in me that I hadn't, you know, felt in a long time. So that was really, you know, cool. It's crazy you say that because I feel that in the movie. I very much feel that it's just so special in terms of the way you've brought so much heart to the story, but also the music is feels like an extension of that. And, you know, the, this story and I, we're just it, it's it's definitely been on repeat here at our house. Cool. And, you know, been talking to a lot of people, not just Debbie, but a lot of people in his community that just love the project. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, staying true to that voice definitely struck a chord for so much of your audience. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, amazing. you gotta you gotta find that, and I'm and I'm still finding myself every time I get into a project. You know, I think I like I I felt very comfortable when I so back to the career. You know, I was a board artist early on in my career at DreamWorks doing features, and I found a home with the Shrek group, and I was really like, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of like a class clown. There were a lot of class clowns. Everyone was a class clown on Shrek. But but I, I felt like that's where I kind of fit in the most. I found my voice as like, okay, I can make fun of things. I can like push comedy. I'm not an extremely like, you know, diligent draftsman artist. I'm much more of a cartoonist. And it felt like that was a place where I could could do that. And and then I worked on a lot of features and it was really cool. But I always felt like I, so I came from a very like comedy, you know, like I was the punch up comedy person, not really like a big story or emotional story person. And not, but even though I felt those feelings, I just, that was not my my sort of place in, in as a board artist, because board artists are kind of cast in certain ways. And, and not because I, maybe I, I just didn't have the skills like to, to really dial in the, you know, the real acting, even though like you could feel that it's like to draw it into, or to draw action scenes, like the understanding of perspective and all of the things you need camera, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. things that have kind of come later. So I feel like that's where sort of my home base was for a lot of time, long time was just comedy. And now getting into Arlo, it's like, making a movie you can't just you know like i could you could just do like crazy ridiculous comedy but like then i think you're cheating the audience from having emotional you know beautiful emotional moments too so that's been kind of a new thing for me is like trying to just you know like this movie was a big discovery process you know of like what now what's my voice i knew what my voice was as a board artist now it's my voice as like a truly like original storyteller and and so that's been an interesting piece of the puzzle to fit together. Yeah. And the comedy is definitely woven in there to keep, Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great mix of family comedy. You know, everybody's laughing on the couch. It's not just the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I told, I had an executive, one of the um, executives who brought me into Netflix and who is very familiar with me and my, and my work. And we got into our first screening and it was just the first act. So if you, you know, like basically up to Arlo leaves the swamp and mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I should probably like talk to them. I was like, so just so you know, like the first act isn't really funny. Like there's not a lot of jokes. Like I know you guys are expecting it to be really funny, but like you probably brought, you know, like thought like, Hey, this is a comedy. And like, I'm like, it'll be funny. But um, in my mind, we had to like really tame down the first act, even though there's like the crazy Ed May song and there's some moments I was like, but it couldn't be like wall to wall. Cause if you're just wall to wall and then all of a sudden you meet for Alicia and then you meet all these other great, you know, yeah. I was like, we're going to, our audience is going to, their heads are going to, fall off by you know midway through the movie and not finish it so so that was a funny thing where i just all of a sudden realized i was about to screen something to people who had expectations that were not like but it all worked out i mean they loved it i think maybe it was just in my own head i felt like i needed to say it but yeah you're like okay that the heart balance is heavy on the heart yeah <laughs> but it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I love and that first act. I love Ed May and Arlo. I think that 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 movie, not to say the movie was I, I love the movie, but like the movie of just Ed May and Arlo in the swamp, like with nice, peaceful, sweet, all those backgrounds yeah. are so beautiful. Like that would be a you know it's like I could live there for sixty That's minutes or Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I think the very first time I watched the movie, I came, my son was watching it and I came in halfway through and then watched the first third at the like later. And I oh. was like, oh, just so touched by that location was so rich and detailed. Yeah, yeah it was really location, beautiful. Did the locations in the film have a special uh, meaning to you? New York, for sure. I So I unfortunately had like kind of planned to visit a lot of these places and to do that like during the process and, and COVID hit and that was like, you know, totally derailed. But the like the idea of, of walking into a big city and seeing New York the way that he sees it is very much I, I'm very, you know, I love that city. I'm, I'm very passionate about that. You know, I think it's just the big cities I love. I, and I and again, it kind of probably goes back to when I was a kid and feeling like I'm just in the middle of, you know, even though I was in now you're like oh there's so much happening <laughs> but even though there was stuff happening it just felt like i was so like in, there was nothing happening and when you get to a big city you're like oh my god this is amazing and i feel that way about new york it's so there's so much to experience and to discover every time i go i feel like i'm you know you can go there a billion times and never see everything so i love that north carolina i visited when i was a kid and tried to capture some of that and kind of like had had mapped out the journey so like when i was writing with Clay Seneschal, who was the my scripting partner on on the screenplay, I had mapped out the journey, and so I was like, "This is where he's going." I kind of like written the outline and and the pitch, and it's a long. It we'll probably talk about it, but it had been it's a story that's been around for like eleven years, and so I had already like mapped out the journey, and then we we were kind of writing based on like trying to trying to find like real locations, real like the Willow Button City is actually based, and I I'm gonna totally forget. The name, I'll have to think of it. Like just outside of, of New Orleans, there was like a small town that I found that was like so cute. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This kind of feels like trapped in time. It's like a couple of antique stores and you know what I mean? So I tried to find like real reference for for those things. Yeah. Oh, yes. When they, with the car and everything. That's yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. Bradley oh. Aloysius and Sandra June. It's so interesting. Yeah. And so did you know, you know, as you were like playing in bands and coming out of, you went to USC, right? Uh, no, UC Santa Barbara. You see Santa Barbara. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then did you know you wanted to get an animation when you started? Yeah. Comics? No, not when I started. So, well, so when I was really young, I always said I was like, if you ask me, you know, and I, I've got like somewhere I found when I was unpacking my house because we moved recently. Like when I was like in elementary school, like my dream job was to be an animator at Disney. Like that was like, if you said, oh, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be an animator at Disney. That was just like, I, I was, and I was always one of those kids who just thought like, yeah, that's good. That, that will happen. So if I believe that it will happen, I, there was nothing, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I just felt like you always, like I was just focused, like that would, that would work. Then I got older and I thought I was going to get into, I still wanted to make movies, but I was doing like video production and stuff in high school. And I really kind of thought like, maybe I would be doing like action movies, like cool stuff, you know, <laughs> dudes and guns and, you know, just like gratuitous, whatever, like just crazy. Like war. we used to shoot like war movies and like a creek behind our, you know, and, and so that was probably like when I got out of when I when I got out of high school going into the film program at Santa Barbara, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'll probably end up doing like action movies, like cool shit, you know, sorry yeah. for kids who might be uh, watching. But then I took an animation class in my first year and I was like, oh, my God, this is what I love. Like, stop being an idiot. Just realize that you, you know, like and then I came back full. It was like all this, you know, love. And I and the, luckily the um, 
the professor who was like in charge of all the production at UC Santa Barbara was an animation. He was like in the first class of animation from USC. So he knew like just a lot. He was like, he had gone to school with like, I don't know if John Lasseter went to USC, but he knew like he knew all those guys. Like he was he was kind of in the contemporary of like that that era of of animators and stuff. So he was an awesome resource. And we started I took every animation course I could take and then we did independent studies and he got me an office and I made films, I made stop motion movies, I did hand drawn. So I had kind of created my own. By the time I got to my sophomore year, I had like exhausted all of the animation courses because there were like three. <laughs> At UC so it Santa wasn't Barbara. a major. It was just no, like you were yeah. just building your own thing. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I was so I graduated with a film studies degree, and all of my extracurricular and all my what do they call them electives or whatever you know like the classes like were basically independent studies where I had a an old like 1970s or 1960s Bolex camera rigged with a animation motor, and we built uh we built a dolly off of a Xerox machine that we cranked with a bicycle crank <laughs> like, you know, For the like, kids that don't know what a Xerox yeah, is. I know we're getting old, but so we did it that way. And, uh, and it was cool. And, and like one of my buddies who I made movies with in, in school, he was a little bit older. He's now, he's now kind of running the, all the marketing animation for Pixar. He was an animator at Pixar for a long time. And, and he just kind of was a big inspiration for me and, and getting Like, I was like, Whoa, he did it. You know, like he was maybe like, maybe a year or two older than me. And he was like, yeah, I'm getting a job at this new place <laughs> called Pixar. Oh, that sounds neat. What do they do? So then he he's now he's got this like sweet gig where he's doing like like the Luca posters and all that stuff. All those like cool. He does like all the like key frame animation poses. He's a total he's he's a rad dude. Yeah. So so it was a very small program. It was like me and him. <laughs> yeah. wow i'd love to pick his brain that's so interesting yeah. and so because do you think you got more opportunity to try different things since it was a smaller program yeah yeah and i think you know it 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 really gave me my own sort of i was the film studies program the studies of it all is basically you're analyzing film and you're analyzing like you're studying like Eisenstein and like all, all these like crazy like film theorists and stuff and you're mm -hmm. watching like most of it they call we always joke because they call classic Hollywood cinema like it's a bad thing it's like a bad word they we call it CHC and they'd be like CHC does this but like independent art films you know and I was like but how are we gonna make money so and we always like I was like this is crazy but it was it was good because it you know just opened up my mind into all this like you know, the theory of, of like why you would do something and all the choices you make when you're making a movie and how important that is. I would love to sit in on those classes again because they're so mind expanding. But when I got out of school, then you've got all these people who went to CalArts because I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I want to get into animation. Like, do I leave UC school and go to CalArts? Like, what do I do now? And yeah. I just decided to stay, you know, finish out my degree and then I was going to go snowboard <laughs> for a year and then I was going to either go back to school or like you know or or get into you know the business or do something I don't know so I was like so even I left a gap year before it's even cool yeah yeah I just needed I went well I was I love the mountains and and I was like so I'm just going to do that and then I'll figure it out and so slowly worked my way back to LA and then I had applied at like every animation studio and of course nothing you know, crickets. And I got into like doing really random motion graphics work. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was interesting. It was when, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it was when poker shows were really big, when poker was still legal online and like people were spending big money and they were doing all these, like, I don't know if you remember, like for a while, it was like, it didn't matter what channel you turned on. It was like a poker tournament. 
So yeah. I was doing that. I was doing all the card graphics when they slide in and all the percentages and all that stuff. Like somewhere that was me in a, in a room with, what? you know, Photoshop and <laughs> keyframing all that junk. And then I got a call one day and it was like, Hey, this is DreamWorks. You know, do you want to come in for, or do you like, is it, you know, can we it, it set up a phone interview? That's what it was, a phone interview. And I was like, yeah, oh my God. And I just started like crying. I was like, call my grandma. I was like, it was just out of the I applied by a year. It was a year. It was like a full year. And they were like, yeah, we kept your application around. And we just, you know, production assistants. I was like, this is crazy. So I interviewed for over a month. I had kind of given up on getting the job. And then what I found out later was that two different shows wanted me. And it just, you know, they were trying to work it all out. And it turned out I ended up with the Shrek group. And the rest is kind of history. Because those, all the uh, really cool board artists, people like, you know, Walt Dorn, who directed the Trolls movies and Peter Ramsey and Bob Persichetti, who directed Spider-Verse and like all these superhero, you know, artists were there. Dave Smith, like all these crazy people, they were just all there it, and I had access to all of them. I was mostly shooting their storyboards and, and sending them to the editor, but I got to see every, you know, frame of the movie in storyboard form and then just started to process and learn how to do it. And, and that's where I kind of how I came out into, into boarding. So, yeah. So, but I thought it gave me a good perspective because most people that did go to CalArts, like, you know, they're so well-trained. They have so much, like, I, I still wish I had the training. I still wish I could, I could, you know, if in, in theory, you could like take a break for a couple of years and go to those classes and get that knowledge. I would still, that would still be so useful to me. But at the same time, I felt like I was also coming from such a different place that maybe that worked to my advantage because, you know, I was, just a, you know, a wild card kind of person yeah. to have on a crew. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, exactly. If everybody's cut from the same cloth and then you come in yeah. with a different piece of fabric, it's. Yeah. It's the guy know. who doesn't know anything. <laughs> but he's charming. But I, yeah, exactly. I can, I can BS it all day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Arlo, the alligator boy, it's, it's just such a beautifully crafted movie and um, the music is so catchy. Did you always know you wanted to write a musical? Yeah. Yeah. It was always a musical. And I think I had worked in some shows that had music, like they were had musical moments, but I had never made a musical. And so that was a really big process, educational process for me and like learning, you know, trying to figure out like, and I still don't think I've learned it. I just think that I've, I, I, then I was joking. If you've watched any interview, I probably say it every time, but like I Googled, like, how do you make a musical? Cause I was like, Oh God, they're, they're going to make it. A, we're going to make a musical. What do you do? You know, like, what is that? What are the things and I, I'm a big fan of like research anyways. Like I always, I think it's very important to, you know, see what people say. You don't have to follow it. You just what's what's out there find it out and so i was like oh that's interesting and i and we definitely like did not follow a traditional path for for like what a musical would be because i think if you look at like the disney musicals there's probably like four or five songs like true songs if you look at broadway it's like wall to wall <laughs> for the, you know what i mean like it's not, not yeah. entirely but like so we're somewhere in there in between i think we've got like 24 minutes of music of songs within a you know 90 minute movie so it's a fair amount but it, it it definitely became the thing that was driving the movie forward were those songs because as we started to as alex and i started to write we were writing the songs at the same time we were writing the script and we had about four songs we, we I think we turned in like six songs before we got greenlit but I think we had like four songs like beyond these walls more 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 an early version of wash the hurt away which changed pretty dramatically and 
there was one more that stuck around and I can't remember, but, but we had kind of like, you know, a grasp on, on a handful of songs that we knew were like beyond these walls was the one that was like, okay, this is where we go. Like, this is the, this is the, the movie. Yeah. It, it was, we had written a number of songs and, and then when we kind of uncovered that one, that was where we went like, oh, okay, now we've got something that to like set the bar is up here. Like this is where the bar is. So now every song has to like, we're reaching for this, try to make it as good as beyond these walls. Cause that song is really good. And so that really drove the movie. And then we also, in our first screening, which was like a very, you know, we had crammed to get all the boards together and threw it all together with like too, too many editors. And, you know, like just like, we have to get a screening together so we can see what we're making and then we'll all understand it. And then we can, get back to work in in a more clear way, which okay. I think is really healthy. I think it's really good. Like, I think a lot of people are afraid to put a screening up and, and because they're afraid of what executives are going to say or think or whatever. Netflix yeah. has been very, like, they're so open and, and encouraging. I didn't feel any pressure from the executives. I didn't feel like we were going to have like a bad screening. I just thought we needed to have a screening so we could put it up and we could talk about it. And the songs were what really carried that first screening. It was like, oh, the, this is where we go. Like this is so. Then we wrote a lot more songs, and then you know, Better Life came into play, and and we did that whole collage moment before Watch the Hurt Away, and then Something's Missing was a very late addition. So we just really started like leaning on the music to tell the story as much as we could. Yeah, it's it really you know it it makes it so magical how it all comes together it's so interesting to hear the behind the scenes of all of it and you know you're a singer as well w were you also singing in those bands in high school or yeah yeah okay. mostly i mean not not let's see no i guess i was i was almost yeah i was i i was mostly a singer and then later in my later i was more of a guitar player that did backups in some bands and then i had other bands i was like lead singer and but and i'm not a great singer and i know it but but i like it but i like the feeling of it you know and i think yeah. you can you know i like to I, I think there's an artistic way to deliver vocals without it having to be like because when you, you know i i i don't know it's i you work with people like michael j woodard and you're like this is like this is a singer you know this is a singer and for me it's like i've always loved the feeling of putting you know your heart and your energy into a song and like and and delivering it because i i think it goes into like a very like this will probably sound weird but like not spiritual maybe spiritual just like you get in like you get in like a weird you know there's like a weird plane of the world or of the universe that you can get yes. into when you're playing music that you can't access and i think and i've i really love that feeling and i think i feel it the most when i'm playing guitar and singing at the same time because then i'm i completely i cannot control anything else other than you know there's just too many things happening and then you're just in a weird space in your head yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, it, when you were str struggling for the word spiritual, that's like what popped yeah. in my mind. And like Elizabeth Gilbert's idea behind big magic, that there's like this collective consciousness of ideas and, you, you know, you just want to be the first to pluck it out or, you know, Pixar's movie this year where they have, they go into the zone yeah. and, you so know, yeah. so, so um, that movie really, I, I, did not see that movie until recently. And it's not because I didn't want to. I just like, I thought, I was like, I have a young daughter and we watch a lot of stuff together. I just to find time yeah. to watch movies and all that, all that, you know. And now that I've got time, now that the movie's done, I sat down and watched it and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, that movie's so, like, it really touched me. I was like, holy crap, that's something. Like, that's so special. And then it really inspired me. I was like, oh my gosh, I need, like, I need to get it together. Like, this is, insane you know 
and it, and like you said, there's just it, it just gets you like from an artistic level. It gets you from a human level. I think if you can yeah. if you can tap into that, you know. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That, that stuff in soul, I was like, totally, I get it. <laughs> I want to give everybody some love that's on the stream because we're repurposing the uh, video as an audio podcast. Uh, I'm not as able to address each comment as it comes in, but I want you to know that guys that I am definitely hearing. And thanks, Debbie, and thanks, Jeffrey, and everybody what's that's up, Debbie. By. Debbie, it's so good to see you. A lot of people saying that they love the soundtrack. Oh, wow. HD, thank you. HD watches in Japanese. So thank you guys for tuning in. We do have a little uh, button at the bottom with a question mark. If you have questions for Ryan, we'll save a couple minutes at the very end of the interview for some questions. So you can go ahead and type them in there. But, you know, I, we were talking about the inspiration with Soul, which gave me all the feels. But Arlo, I mean... I think for a lot of us, like, we're just like low-key obsessed with this movie. I mean, Thank we, you. My son and I, we sing the songs. He's, he's five and uh, we are always singing the songs and I'm working on a cover like, uh, you know, nice. like just like yeah. a total fan because it, it just really moves and inspires me. And, and I find that the more excited I get about stuff, the more I get out of uh, a project and watching it and taking it in. So it's been really cool to watch. I, so I you know I saw a little bit of your, I cut your interview with Debbie where you were saying that Arlo was like 11 years in the making. Yeah. And um, so I was curious, did it start with just that little guy or was it the story? Where, where was the yeah. inspiration? Yeah. yeah, it was really from sketches, like from, you know, one-off sketches I started doing just you know, I was like, I, I'm one of those people that I work late at night. I don't know if there's any board artists on here. I saw Tristan on here, but like everyone's got their, everyone's got their sort of methods. And like, for me, as a, when I was, it's harder now, I don't do it so much now. I have to train myself to work during the day because, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, kids and all that stuff and also being, you know, managing other people. But back when I could, I was very much like a late night, like I would stay up all night and draw and like get into a groove and like put music on, put headphones on and just be like, you know, cranking. And then you, I would kind of find myself like stepping out just to do other, other sketches and whatever, drawing constantly. Hmm. And this alligator boy kind of came out of that. And, and actually I mentioned Walt Dorn who directed Trolls was uh, like early on, I was like, Hey, what do you think about like this guy is, you know, so we started, he even did some early drawings too and like we we would talk about it and and so a lot of the early kind of conceptual stuff came out of the idea of like the circus sideshow that's like the alligator boy and then birdie who's you know the like whatever's 13 feet tall like kind of extreme versions of these characters like what if the posters came to life was kind of like the initial concept mm -hmm. you see those like crazy posters the pumpkin boy or whatever with the pumpkin head and that's so uh -huh. so a lot of that stuff and i don't talk about it too much because like i think in in the end it was the more research i did and the more like in touch i got with like the idea of circus sideshows the more i felt like it was not a positive space mm -hmm. you know what i mean and like yet arlo is a very positive character and so like it just became like it, it stopped being like that wasn't what the story was about and then trying to tell a story that like where you're you're kind of defending something that is not a good, you know, like all these things kind of came, it just became like a very, it became very complex for me. And, and I wanted to, you know, acknowledge it. And, and the more I tried to acknowledge it, the more difficult the storytelling became and all of that. So I was like, look, it's, it thematically will carry all of the things that, that, that story has and still be about the same, you know, like you can see easily, like with seaside by the seashore, kind of having a Coney Island-esque 
feeling, but not be exactly that just because I don't want to, you know, I even, I even went to like Coney Island and like did research. I was there like that with like the Coney Island nonprofit like group. And I, I think they're, they're, what they do is cool, mm-hmm. but still, you know, there's a, there's a history that's not happening right now that was happening. And so I don't want to, I don't want to be in a, you know, I don't want to deliver <laughs> negativity to people. I want to deliver positive vibes. Yeah. So anyways, all of that, that's kind of the initial idea. So like I, and I've talked about it a little bit how like that was an early version when I was like 20 something. And then how many years later, seven, maybe, or eight years later, I'm looking for a project to develop. And my wife was the one who was like, you really should, you know, bring Arlo like out. That's such a good yeah. project. And I really love that, you know? And so that's when I took a different lens to the project and tried to figure out like, is there still a way to tell the story? Is there a way to do it in like a really, you know, sweet and, and positive way? Because it was always about, this character was always like really ultra positive in the boards and or in the drawings that I had done. And I was like, I love that. Like he felt vulnerable. You want to like him, but he's got all these sharp teeth. So like, if he walks into, you know what I mean? Like he, like he walks into a place and he's like, but he's, but he's not a bad, it's like Edward Scissorhands kind of feeling, you know, yeah. we're so clearly, you're so clearly like, oh, that's, you know, <laughs> Everyone's going to be a little bit like, please don't touch. But so, yeah, yeah just so anyway, so my, my wife really helped me kind of like get back on the Arlo train and, and like dust it off and then take a new swing at it and a new approach. And when I did, I found that I really found a lot of love for the characters and for the project and was able to bring it to Netflix and pitch a series and a movie at the same time. And they were excited about that, which was crazy. And so we just, I, I felt like I just... You know, I don't know. It's like I, I felt like I just like I was like, oh my god, are they really doing this? And like, if if they are, like, I need to run. Like, I need to grab this. I need to grab this thing, like, and just run and not let anyone stop <laughs> oh, me until you know what I mean. Like, run with like, the I'm ball. Like, I'm just gonna fin- yeah, run with the ball. Like, I'm gonna get there. I'm just gonna finish it and like, don't you know, like, get like, get as far as I can before someone realizes I like they made a huge mistake and they hired the wrong person <laughs> and this like shouldn't happen. So I was. Uh, I wasn't sure if you meant run in the other direction. Yeah, no, no. Ah! No, run with it. Like, as I was like, oh my God, really? Okay, I need to do this now. So I, you know, I feel like one of those, you know, just in life, when you're given an opportunity, you have to take advantage of it and to the full extent you can. And, you know, I gave everything that I could to this movie within the the confines of my own, like, you know, personal abilities. And, and I put my, you know, my family is my priority always. But then beyond that, like, you know, everything that I could give to this movie when it's, when I can. And even, even then, I mean, it involved my daughter and she's in the movie and she was always like watching, she was in the studio with me and Alex when we were recording Michael and my wife was always around and stuff. So we're not, you know, it's not like I, I don't just turn off the Arlo and go do that in a corner somewhere. Like it's very, we're very much a, a family operation, but, but yeah. Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Something I I, I was going to ask you because I, I know, you know, working in animation, then it, you have you're around children, you're you're doing um, content for children, but then when you become a parent, yeah, everything just shifts and. You, for me at least, I was so much more able to get into the mindset of, of what kids, what entertains kids, and and the joy, and the freedom in that play. So, what your daughter's pretty young, right? Three. Or yeah, four? she's like three and a half. She's okay. like three and a half. So she was actually born 
the day that I got the the go ahead from Netflix that they were going to develop it. So which was so they were like, okay, the the deal's happening. Like I, I had they had told me they were going to like you know, but it was like yeah, okay, we actually have a like deal in hand. Um, and I remember very clearly, I, I have a very lovely lawyer. I, I don't use like agents or anything. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not that Hollywood, but I do have a, a wonderful lawyer who's like a grandma. <laughs> she's been in the industry Aww. forever. And she's always like telling me like, Ryan, you know, I, uh, she's, she was uh, Steve Hillenberg's lawyer. So I, I have absolute love for her. Like she's, you know, anyways, great. And she goes, you need to go quit your job. And I was like, what? And she's like, you need to do it today. And I was like, but my wife is in labor and she, and, and so I was with my wife and she was like, it's okay. We hadn't gone to the hospital yet. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. So I dropped her off at the Galleria in Glendale and she went and bought baby clothes while I was in an executive's office saying like, well, I got a movie at Netflix <laughs> and I'm going to have to put in my uh, notice. And it was like the craziest day of my life. I'll never forget it. So I always marked Wait, Arlo. So your wife was like physically in labor, yeah, like yeah, early, like early stages. Yeah, she was like in, in, in Zara at the Galleria buying baby clothes. Hopefully she's not watching right now because she'll be like, when I come downstairs, she'll be like, why are you telling that story? Buying baby clothes and contra having contractions while I'm in an office, like a couple blocks away, quitting my gym. And then, wow. so I, but I always mark, I was, so I, Arlo is exactly as old, like the, at least the, the production of Netflix is exactly as old as my daughter. So, wow. Yeah. That is amazing. To the day, to the day, it's exactly that old. What so the funny. universe was just like, you're expanding in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know. It was a crazy, it was a crazy, like, week, I guess. And then, yeah. Yeah. They always say babies bring bread and more yeah. than one, I guess. Yeah, we got another one on the way. So I feel like it's, it's that's September. So I should have a deal coming for a new project in September. I want to do okay. it like... You cannot tell me yes until whenever the day is September or whatever that day. Uh, September, baby. So <laughs> right good. on. What's uh, right now? It's the sixteenth, I think. That's my 16th. sister's birthday. Yeah, my dad's the tenth, and he's a very cool dude. He's a very yeah. mellow. I'm hoping for you know. My daughter is very chill, but you know when you get the chill one, you're like, uh oh, there's got to be a crazy one somewhere. Yeah, it's gonna be you know. <laughs> I can't think about what a chill child is like because my child is not chi I'm chill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I use chill with like within the confines of just like other, other kids yeah. that I've seen where I'm like, whoa, we're oh, good. God. Yeah. So then, but three and a half, wait, so that's like, it only took you guys three years to make this entire movie? Yeah. Yeah, we went light speed. We, it's, uh, it's very much, I look at it as like a, an independent movie, even though Netflix is obviously a huge company, it's very much like an indie movie. We operated at, at a TV pace rather than a feature pace. We got a little bit of leeway. I, I pushed, you know, for as much as I, as, as I could, but also to make sure that I was being responsible, you know, because I want to keep working in the industry. And I feel like, you know, you don't want to just blow a budget on your first movie and be like, Oh, like, <laughs> sorry. I didn't know what we were doing. Like I felt but it was I cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I hope it was good. You liked it. So, so we really, we really went, and I would say, and hopefully, you know, the, all the people that worked on it would feel the same. We made decisions. We stuck to them. We didn't like, I didn't want to burn out my artists. I wasn't trying to do like a features worth of work, like, or at least a feature schedules worth of work in the time of, of the schedule that we had. So I made, made that my, my goal was like, I'm going to make decisions and I'm going to like take responsibility for those decisions and accountability for those decisions. And like, make the best movie we can make in that time frame without like ruining people's lives. Cause I didn't want people to work, you know, 
I didn't want people there overnight. I didn't want people like, you know, it happens. I've worked in the industry a lot where you get onto projects and the schedules never meet the expectations of what the studio has for them or like whatever. So I always feel like that, you know, is a, can be curbed from a management, from an, from an executive producer standpoint, if you know what you you're doing. And some, you know, we had a very, very happy group of, of people working on the, on the crew, very positive, a lot of Arlo's on the crew. And, and so, yeah, so we just cranked. I mean, we cranked out the movie really quickly and then we made adjustments one time and then a lot of people rolled off onto the series and I kept like maybe three artists on board for a couple more months and myself boarding at times and then, and just finishing it up and trying to make the best movie we could with the time we had. So, and now you know, take a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking a vacation next week. I'll be gone. But, but I think that I, think I wouldn't do it differently. I think, you know, like we could have done more with, you know, you can always do more with more time and more resources, but like, I think that we captured the spirit of what this was. And I had been thinking about it for a long time. Obviously it had been, you know, thinking about it for 11 years. I don't know what, I don't know how much better. I think things kind of like, you know, start to the, 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 the ability to make something that much better, like exponentially better after a certain point, like doesn't, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you like, you can stay on a project for another year and maybe get like another 10% better Mm -hmm. you know and i've seen that online movies where you work you'll you'll put up a really great screening and then you spend another two years just kind of tinkering and changing and maybe what if we do that like it gets a movie gets better but it doesn't get like that much better you know and then by the end you're like okay i'm so sick (laughs) yeah and you're like yeah and that that screening remember that screening we had like a year ago was so funny or whatever so you kind of capture that lightning in a bottle a little bit. I think, you know, yeah. So I'm, I'm very, like, I think in the end we, we did something really cool. And I think it has, and Titmouse has a lot to do with that too, like allowing us to come into their studio or allowing me to come into their studio and making everything there. Because we had uh, Titmouse Animation in, in Hollywood mm-hmm. and Vancouver. All of the artists were actually Titmouse employees. So I, I came from Netflix and I, yeah. I know Chris and, and Ben Kalina and Antonio Shannon from working on it a previous project home and I called up Chris. I was like, I think of this thing. Like I want to do 2d. I want to do feature. And I don't know if we can do it, you know, that like, can we do something like how far can we get into feature level? And we got pretty darn far. I mean, we like really like got really, I was so impressed with like, I did not expect at the end of the day to be with the amount of time we had, with the amount of resources we had that, that studio, like they pulled out all the stops. Like they put so much heart into it. Those animators, crushed it. Some of them just gave us total gold. I mean, there's so much beautiful acting in this movie. And so I think a lot of people felt very passionately about the the story and about the, you know, what we were doing. I think everyone who worked on it that I came across was like very much, they got like why it was an important story to tell and, and how, you know, special it could be if we did it right. And so people put in a lot of extra love into it. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was like a really interesting, you know, I don't think I could ever make another movie or I don't think I ever will make another movie like this because I now I've broken that experience of directing my first movie. And I don't know, you know, like you'll change things and do things differently. But also the fact that we just kind of went in not knowing what we were doing on so many levels, like, can we make a, a feature at a, a basically, I mean, I don't want to call Tim as a TV studio because they're not, they're, a, you know, an animation studio that can do a lot of things, but like we really had to kind of create a pipeline to make this work. And then how is that going to, you know, can, can we do that? And what's that look like? And how do we do it? And it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. So. And the songs, I mean, the songs are so amazing. How did that process with Alex? So you guys were developing the songs even before pitching? 
Yeah, I told Alex around the time, because we worked together on Home Adventures with Tip and O, and I had told him around the time that I was pitching it out about the story. And he was like, oh my God, I love that. And I was like, well, good, because you're going to do it. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I want to do that. So we had already decided, like before I even, before Netflix, and I pitched, I pitched it to two studios. And, but before that, like I had already kind of decided that Alex would write the music for it. And he just was so passionate about this process of the project and all that stuff. So, so we had talked a lot about it before we actually got into doing it. And, and then when it happened, we started writing the music kind of right away, like right at the time I was, I was writing the outline. So I started breaking off, like I would go to his studio like two days a week and then I would be writing script like three days a week or whatever. Um, like eight, eight hour days or, you know, would you be in there just like, yeah, we're like Alex and I, we drink a lot of coffee. (laughs) It's weird. We do a lot of like, a lot of our day at the studio is like watching clips of movies and listening to other songs and like taking walks. And then like, yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like in the middle of something and then it's just like four or five hours will pass. And we're like, come out of the studio. Like, Whoa. Okay. We have a song We're we don't force the, the process. And a lot of times we make stuff that's like fine, good, not great. You know, like we're just like, we'll be like, okay. And then we'll come back the next session and be like, yeah, let's listen to that. Eh, that's fine. So what if we did this with something different? So, so we have a lot of like a graveyard full of, of songs right now that, you know, probably won't do anything, with, but you never, you know, sometimes something might feel right. Sometimes we have done it. We, the something's missing actually was one of the first songs we wrote for Arlo and it was meant to be beyond these walls. And then we abandoned it because it wasn't feeling right. And then Alex put it in the score when Arlo and Edme are sitting at the the table and she's telling him about the, she shows him the bracelet, gives him the bracelet Uh that, that if you listen back in the movie that something's missing is playing there and it's a banjo version of it. So he had kind of broken out that the theme from something's missing. And we had the initial version had like banjo and slide. It was much more like kind of, you know, rootsy and then like brush drums and stuff like, so it was, he had kind of borrowed some instruments from the very, very first version. So then when I got to the end and we were like looking for a song for Arlo and Ansel for that moment, because it felt like the discussion wasn't working. And I was like, yeah, they just need to sing it. Like he sings when he's feeling something really extreme. And that seems like the way to do it. And then maybe we can kind of have a duet, but not a true duet because they're not, they're not in sync with each other yet. So they're kind of singing against each other. And I just went back into like all of the songs because I've kept like a track list of like every, all the discarded things and just started listening through to see if there were any ideas to to borrow from Mm -hmm. and then something's missing hit me and i was like yeah and he and he borrowed that score from that moment when he gets the bracelet and that kind of feels appropriate so it was like weirdly like kind of coincidental that 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 you know when he gets the bracelet and learns that he's got a dad that it's actually the song that he sings later it makes sense like it makes it makes us seem like we're really smart (laughs) but it was more just like in in retrospect i was like that's a good and hey look at that works too so then we rewrote that and yeah yeah and you know vincent rodriguez is insanely he gives me goosebumps on that song like how how did you find vincent was that was he always like someone you had in mind or did it was lambert no he auditioned in a pretty traditional way that role was tricky because i think a lot of people wanted to play this like upper crust kind of hoity-toity and then it made and it made him very unlikable in a way that i think 
if if Ansel was too unlikable, you couldn't root for Arlo to want. I mean, he did le- put his kid in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you so don't think you don't think too hard about <laughs> you don't think too hard about that. He's confused, but yeah, basically, uh, it felt the, like that character had to be likable in order for the movie to carry any kind of you know because you couldn't yeah. root for Arlo to really love someone who was just uh, like really likable. And I think the very first take, like when we did Scram and the first screening, that was, that was the case. And it was like, ah, oh, this Ansel is really hard to crack. And so we had kind of, you know, the casting on that one took a while. And then Vincent came along and he's got such a lovable, warm presence and voice. And I felt really bad, like going, by the way, you're playing a jerk, <laughs> but we'll redeem you and you'll be cool in the series. But you're going to be a jerk. And it's like, yeah. it is so not him. Cause he's such a, I don't know if you've ever met the guy, but like, he is just a, a total, like, you know, ray of sunshine like, as, as Michael J. Woodard is and, and Mary too. They're just all like very bright, positive, warm people. And so it was really funny to be like, oh, okay, here you go. You're kind of a villain, <laughs> but you're not like totally, but you are, yeah. but his voice is in- insane. I mean, his voice is just, he's got all of that polish, um, that is that comes with a theatrical like musical theater background <laughs> that is really he can he's so his voice is so present and then michael has all of this finesse and sort of you know soulful kind of runs and all that stuff and so i thought the two of them together i thought their voices worked really well together yeah it it really is amazing because that is the common thread is this this real light of positivity that in a way was almost a blessing the timing of the release because so many people needed that at that time. Yeah, I was very, I was very happy to be putting something positive into the world, you know, I, as I always hope to. And I think like, as I, as I think about developing new projects, sometimes I find myself going into, into places where I'm like, that's a cool story, but like, is it too, is it, what's, where's the hope, you know, where's the, yeah. where's the, where's the, where's the love? Um, you know, there's so much like, you know, cool junk out there but like i think that's what makes arlo really special is that it is you know it's it's complex and there's some you know there's some negativity it's not doesn't say the world is perfect Mm -hmm. but but arlo is so full of joy and hope and so and positivity and the songs are bright and and it looks beautiful and it's fun and like the characters are celebrating each other and lifting each other up and at the end of the day like i think it leaves you with a very warm feeling and so i was very happy that like during what has been such a you know trying couple of years to to kind of have something that we you know obviously started well before a pandemic and all that stuff but like just to have something that that really stood out as being a positive you know a big a big plus for people and for kids in particular i think kids got really you know a a bad deal on on this on this thing you know like it's like i I, I think it's obviously it's coming back and, you know, people are, it's getting better. But I just, I think about like the lack of freedom for children and the, in the, the idea that they have to put on masks to go to school and all of that stuff, like can't see their friends and, you know, like they need positive, as much positivity, as much fun and, and joy as they can get. So that felt yeah. good. I was like, good. I'm, we're, we're doing something cool here at a good time in the world uh, to be doing. Uh, yeah. And you, you have that like that crossover where there's like the the shows your kids want to watch and the shows you want your kids to watch. Yeah. And rare like 
intersection where it's like, oh, yes, like not only do I want you to watch this, I'll sit down and watch you watch this with you. So yeah, I that was that was cool. the hope. That was the hope. I mean, I think, you know, I, I have and I think part of it kind of goes back to like just coming out of that like Shrek, you know, kind of feeling like we I think Shrek has always been such a great marker in animation for, you know, yeah, it's it's not the most like, you know, compelling, heartfelt, whatever, but it but it does do this thing where it really brings an adult vibe into children's, mm-hmm. you know, into a family setting where there's there's a lot of like, you know, there's 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 just a lot for a lot for a family, like for families of all, like for all ages to enjoy and to get. And I always hope that like we would do something like that with Arlo. It's obviously not Shrek, but but that it would have that feeling that you could sit down on Saturday night and watch it with your kids and get something, you know, as an adult and still enjoy it and be like, that was that's cool. The songs are good. And like, you know, there's some funny stuff. And Jonathan Van Ness, I love from Queer Eye. You know, what I mean, like all those things where you'd be like, this is yeah. like, wait, yeah. I, I recognize that. Word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so fun. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. And I know we have a couple questions. Are you okay, okay. to take yeah, audience yeah, yeah. questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. And for anybody that's just tuning in that isn't familiar with this show, this is called Allison's Wonderland. And it is a weekly IGTV show and podcast where we interview people that work in animation and video games. So if there is a special guest that you would like to see, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Okay, let's see. Well, Debbie has a question about whether we watch Soul with our kids and whether the movie's kid-friendly. I did not. I want to. And I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm like, I'm on the fence about it. Like, I really want to. And I think, I think she gets, I think she would get it. Like we've, we've had, you know, a number of conversations about death Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like, I think we, you know, we don't shy away from it. We talk about everything, but like, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't, because I think, because the last thing I want to do is like put some, you know, like one of these days for sure. There's like, there's like talking about it and, and like having an awareness and then there's that day where they're like, I can't sleep. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to cross that bridge. And I, but I think I yeah. want to. I think that I think she would get a kick out of like the cat and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. For Bodie, my son, we crossed that bridge sort of early on in the pandemic by something I had said, which I think, so he'd already crossed that bridge. And so we spent a lot of time talking about dying and death and what happens and different theories of what people happen. So it was good to watch Saul and be like, this is one artist's interpretation of that. So I think where he's at, at five, if he was three, it it might be different because he hasn't necessarily thought too much about that and formulated his own ideas. Yeah. So we did watch it together and he's he likes spooky, scary. He's not like me as a kid that was like frightened by everything. But so he was on it. So I think it really depends on the kid, I guess, where they're at. Yeah. Um, Hi, Steph Rizzo. Steph Rizzo is an amazing artist for anyone who wants to go check out her stuff. Go do it. Hey, Steph. Thanks for tuning. Okay. So I, oh, Tristan asks if you wrote songs for the feature and the series at the same time, or did you wrap up the feature and then go into the series? We wrapped the feature and started getting to the series. It was actually really hard. It was getting started on the series. Music was very difficult for me because I felt like not entirely tapped out, but it, it was happening. Uh, we wrote the first couple songs before the um, pandemic, but a lot of it happened during, and that was an experience. But because yeah. wow. we wrote literally over Zoom. Like we would, Alex would 
turn on his speakers and through his mix it like we'd write over zoom and i'd be sending guitar things back and then vocal ideas but there was a lot of you know mailing tracks to each other we were writing they kind of came after but one of the things we did was the very first song for the series which won't be the first song that you see when you watch it because we we made it out of order it's called community garden we took a song that i loved that was meant to be the finale song it was going to be beautiful together is what what that became. And it was a song that I just absolutely loved. And it just felt less like beautiful together has a very anthemic kind of powerful, you know, emotional guttural feeling where this was just like a really fun song. The other mm-hmm. one it was like much more like just a fun dance party song. And so, but I always loved that song. And then and we got, and it was like, Oh my God. Like I felt like we'd done so we climbed a mountain and then someone went, no, there's another mountain for you to climb right there. And it's going to happen every week. You have to write a song every week for the next, whatever it was, 20 weeks or whatever, you know, I guess it was every other, like, so I was like, oh no, we're like, we're doomed. And so the first song we just took, (laughs) we took a song that we had already written and rewrote the lyrics and it was, it's amazing. It's still one of the best songs on on the series. It was like a good repurposing of a song that was really good anyways. So it wasn't like we just, it wasn't like we put something junky in and just went like, this will work. Like it just happened to be, but it gave us a really good feeling of like, okay, we can do this. And also then just the groove got going for the series. We just kind of turned on that yeah. first song and yeah. 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 You're building on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whew. All right. Yeah. We can do this. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. Can do this. All right. yeah. That was a challenging thing. The, the series writing music for the series was very challenging. And I think we have a lot of really great stuff, but um, writing music for the movie, I was there, you know, I was, had written the movie and was writing the songs and was directing the movie. And I was so there all the time in my brain. And then the movie was still going on and we, and I was, you know, overseeing the series and then writing the songs just took, cause sometimes a song happens in an hour and sometimes a song takes days. And so it was, it felt like a, a, a very crazy amount of pressure during a period where I was already under a lot of pressure. So yeah. So that was tricky. But in the end, I think the series songs in some ways are, if not as entertaining, I think a, a lot of people that I've talked to that are on the inside, Mary Lambert being one of them, Birdie, like the series songs more than the movie, which is crazy. So I'll let you guys make up your own decisions when you get to hear them. But yeah. Will they release the series songs to for streaming as well as Spotify? And I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Like we haven't, we don't have... Uh, I'll say that it hasn't been like set in stone yet, but I hope so. I mean, I think it would be it would be advantageous. I think I think what's what my hope was always that like people would what your family is doing, Allison, which is like you watch the movie and then you kind of live through the music and then you can return to the movie again. And that's how we kind of operate in our house. We listen to a lot of music, a lot of mostly, you know, we listen to a lot of Disney musicals and things um, and it keeps it alive. So my hope was always that that would do that. So I don't know that we've found it's something I need to kind of now that now that we're kind of at that point, because this I don't know when the series will release. We have a little time to figure it out. But yeah, that's the hope. It'd be great. Yeah. Do you have a lot of fans that covering the songs on YouTube and whatnot? We see it from time to time. Tristan and Debbie, who are both on here, have, have put forth amazing versions that have, I think, when we did, we did this CTN Expo and Tristan covered, uh, oh gosh, not watch the hurry away. What am I, follow me home. It like, I was, I was actually at the beach 
when I heard it. It was oh. so crazy. And was like crying with my wife. Like we were like, Oh my God. She's like, did you see this? Cause Alex found it or someone posted it. And, and it was so weird. Cause we were like at the beach listening to Tristan's version of follow me home. And I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. People are actually like, not only like listening to the music, but like turning it into something that they feel that, uh, yeah. Being inspired by it. Yeah. Um, you guys send me those covers. I would love to share them here. If you have them, um, available on Instagram. It's funny, I was just going to go to a question from Tristan. I'm assuming this is, oh, Tristan. Which song in Arlo was the most personal for you to write? Oh, I I guess Beyond These Walls. Although Wash the Hurt Away, I think, was probably the, the most me in a lot of ways. Like, in, when I go into my own songwriting, like, of my life and my past. But Beyond These Walls, I think, was one that was such a kind of special moment when we, it felt like a very, we wrote, I wrote the first version of Beyond These Walls I wrote on on guitar and recorded it. And I hadn't played in a long time and I hadn't recorded anything in a long time. And so it was very hard for me to like feel comfortable recording that and then taking it to Alex and being like, I have a song. And I think I played it for him once and I was like, I don't want to do it. And I was like playing and was, I, was like, I, don't know. I was like, just, I felt very like shy. And like, I was like, I just yeah. didn't have the confidence because it's been so long. It like, it'd been almost 10 years since I had really like written and played a song. Yeah. And then we made that version together. And then we kind of produced it like one more time. We did like, usually we'll do like a demo and then we kind of done like another level of production. And then I was like, that's not it. And Alex, I think, felt the same. He was like, oh, I was hoping you were going to say that. And I was like, yeah. But I was like, the words are good, but the song is not right. And then we went back in, like, the next day and just started doing the chord. He started playing the chords of what we have now, and it all came together. And then, so that one was, like, a very magical sort of experience and kind of, I felt like I shed a lot of, like, you know, being afraid of writing songs again and all that stuff like it so so while and lyrically i'm just very proud of that one and then wash the hurt away i'm i'm exactly like very proud of the lyrics there too i think that's that's one that i'm very happy we could get that into an animated family film because you don't get to see a lot of songs that go that you know deep, deep and deep and dark and 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 that and I don't know if I can say it like we've, we've I've talked with Netflix a little bit about like sort of, you know, what's what's popping, what's working and Wash the Hurt Away is like a song that we, we get a lot of feedback about. Like it's a it's a very like it shows up like that song is is one, you know, Beyond These Walls and, and Follow Me Home we came out with as like the two kind of singles. But Wash the Hurt Away is one that really has connected with people on another level that they're kind of aware of. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. All right. One last question and then. We will wrap it up. I mean, there's so many good questions. I'm so sorry, Teeny Tunes. We're not going to be able to get this question, which is so good. You guys can always, you know, shoot me, DM me. I'll I'll get back to you at some point. Rickety Biscuit, great, great username, asks, were Ansel's bird traits designed after a specific kind of bird? Because they were (laughs) of an egret. Um... No, we had, so David DePasquale, who was our character designer, was tasked with just like different versions of the bird, uh, bird features on Ansel. And that's where we ended up. I think, I mean, he feels kind of hawkish to me. We had, yeah, we had gone pretty far with it. <laughs> There's somewhere you're like, okay, well, he's clearly a bird. And so, yeah, I don't think we, I, I mean, David might know. David might have like specific on that particular reference or that particular design that we chose, whether he was referencing certain 
things but like you know we want to keep his legs really skinny and like give him that kind of bird like he's got that like big chest kind of bird chest and tails he, he had tails and i think we got rid of it on his like tuxedo at some point he had maybe he has it in the finale but yeah on that nose <laughs> yeah that's all right well okay maybe we can just do you have time for one more one more Okay, one more. one more, because I think this is it just, I, I'm really curious about this as well. What it's been like transitioning. Hey, Carl. Sorry. It's my hey, cousin. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny when you see a familiar face. Yeah. Transitioning from the movie's production to the show's production. And what are the differences between the production? Like, is the animation, is it exactly the same? Is it produced by the same? Produced by Tim <laughs> Mouse. We did, we did things a little bit differently for the show, just because of the needs of, like, having to turn over episodes you know, a lot faster, you know, we had whatever, I don't know what the amount of minutes is, but you know, almost like twice the amount of time of the movie or more and probably, you know, similar stretch of, of production runway. So what we did for the series was we took all of the designs and we there it's in flash or Adobe animate. And we like did crazy turns, like, so crazy. Like, I think they did like, you know, like way more than, you know, just your, five or seven or nine or whatever like we did a lot of in-betweenings and then we did every mouth chart possible we did every expression like so we we over produced the the character poses so we had like a lot of information for every character of the mains of mm -hmm. arlo birdie you know felicia tony Aaliyah, and marcellus and then we and they worked off of that so they had so the animators had a lot more like to pull from where in the movie we were actually pretty much hand-drawn so even though we had built like rigs that they could pull into their scenes, the rigs were meant to be more like, you know, this is your body. Like this is, so you have I, the, the, yeah, you have, yeah, exactly. The reference of like all the proportions, but not to be used as like puppet the mouth kind of thing. So, so the series in some ways, like the characters look beautiful and perfect <laughs> all the time and you don't get all the like, you know, you get, you get like pushed expressions like you would expect in, in the, you know, in a series, a like board-driven series, you get like, we, we definitely break the model, but most of the time the characters look pretty darn perfect. Where in the movie, you can tell like shot to shot if the animator changed or, you know, so, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. I feel like I learned quite a bit tonight. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I yeah. know everybody is very grateful and I'm very grateful as well. So how do you prefer that people stay in touch with you just following you on Instagram and you're on Twitter? Yeah. As well? Yeah. Not really Twitter. Honestly, I, I, Instagram is about the only thing I do these days. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been <laughs> pushing it even further out, but like, yeah, I, I, I think the more I, you know, get into, into my life, the more I'm like trying to avoid like very, like, obviously if you have questions like Instagram, but I feel like all these other outlets are just like crazy to keep up with. I can't, it's you know. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. one of the questions we didn't get to. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to manage when you're trying to actually create the work to then have to be on social talking about the work all the time. So yeah. Plus, <laughs> I, I like Instagram because you get all the art. Like, I, I like looking at people's art more than yeah. anything. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to people's opinions. I love, you know, I love your opinions, but I love Instagram because <laughs> it's like mostly it's like just people like posting their coolest stuff and getting to, you know, that's why I found a lot of artists, a lot of people that I worked with on this project. I, you know, Steph Rizzo, who was on earlier, like, you know, I put up a post one day, like, Hey, I need board artists. And then Steph had like 
well, my friend Alicia Gibson lives up in the Bay Area or whatever, like or up in Northern California. And then, and I was like, well, Steph, like, we do some character designs. And so, like, we just, you know, it was purely Instagram to get to, yeah. So I find I find Instagram to be the most useful uh, awesome. for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And keep us posted about the show. I can't wait to share when it's um, coming to air. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll. I don't know when the announcement will happen, but I, I have to imagine people will know in the next a couple month or two or whatever. It's got to be. It's got to. It's got to get announced sometime. I'm sure. Let's talk to cartoons. They'll hear, hear it first. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe even before you. I, I'll. I'll send. I. I like to send Debbie messages. Like. Yeah. Hey, it's like we're like in a in a parking lot somewhere. Like something's about to drop today. Get keep your eyes on this account <laughs> at two thirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Catch you later. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.